0: Predominant belief number two, the mind-body split and disembodiment. The following quote is by Leanne Betosamosake sake Simpson from her book, As We Have Always Done. I talked about how Gizwe Manidu transferred all the knowledge that went into the creation of the universe to Nishnabé bodies, but that the knowledge was so vast that it didn't just stay in our heads. It spilled into every aspect of our beings. Mainstream social R&D practices and traditional academia often reinforce the concept of the mind-body split. Similar to the myth of objectivity, which separates the observer from the observed, the mind-body split sees the mind and the body as separate entities that aren't connected. It uplifts the mind as the generator of knowledge, as the sole location of information gathering, processing, interpreting, and sharing. It perpetuates a false hierarchy of the mind as the dominant dimension of our being, the ruling authority over our other dimensions, including our bodies, emotions, and spirits. In research, this mind supremacy shows up in the treatment of research and knowledge gathering as a solely intellectual pursuit. As with all persisting beliefs, it would serve us well to critically examine who benefits when we uphold them. In the words of somatic practitioner Stacy K. Haynes, the mind-body split reifies a particular power over system as well. We consider who and what is associated with being rational, science, maleness, whiteness, education, and wealth, the quote-unquote right people to decide, advance, and rule. Consider also who and what is associated with body and feeling. Sin, irrationality, emotions, quote-unquote hysteria, women, transgender, people of color, the exotic, read racist, indigenous, earth, desire, the quote unquote, wrong people to decide and lead. You can hear the multiple forms of oppression informing these and in turn how they are supported by rationalism. This is not a vote dismissing rational thinking altogether or to rid us of science and scientific inquiry. Rather, it is to awaken to what is shaping us. What have been the costs of rationalism and who has repeatedly been thrown under the bus by its precepts? What of this do we want to question and change? What of rationalism, as a cultural norm, is deadening, disconnecting, or harmful?" End quote. In treating our research interaction as a solely intellectual exchange, we invisibilize the ways in which our bodies, emotions, and spirits can be activated in a research setting. We lose key data when we choose to ignore our bodies, emotions, and spirits as generators, keepers, and conveyors of knowledge. We also end up prioritizing research methodologies and practices that engage just the mind and care for just the mind rather than the body, emotions, and spirit as well. For example, the word empathy gets thrown around a lot within the fields of human-centered design and design research. However, the combination of mind supremacy and the myth of objectivity can result in some pretty problematic best practices in the name of empathy. In the words of social designer Sara Fatala and A.D. Sean Lewis, many designers believe that empathy is what allows some individuals who are removed from a challenge to solve said challenge while remaining quote-unquote user-centered. It absolves design professionals of the responsibility to center lived experience as they can quote-unquote walk a mile in the shoes of others. Poorly designed products and services can then be explained as an outcome of lack of empathy rather than the inability of design professionals to do the work of community building that allows them to be trusted by and in service of those their designs should serve." In other words, empathy shouldn't be about researchers being able to imagine what the communities they are engaging have gone through but rather about valuing and prioritizing the lived experience of the going through, of the embodiment of those experiences as enough. The mind-body split and the belief in the mind supremacy over the body makes it easier to accept and believe that this kind of empathy is enough. That the interpretation of the imagined experience in the researcher's mind is somehow just as or more valid than the participants lived experience and embodiment of it. What if, instead, we created space for participants to describe how their lived experience around a particular topic is embodied within their thoughts, feelings, sensations, bodies, behaviors, and relationships? What more could we learn? The arbitrary compartmentalization of the mind and the body doesn't have to be the way forward for social R&D. In the words of Michi Sagik Nishnabe scholar, Leanne Betasamosake simpson my body and my life are a part of my research, and I use this knowledge to critique and analyze. I will not separate this from my engagement with academic literature, because in my life, these things are not compartmentalized. She goes on to share that quote unquote theory is generated and regenerated continually through embodied practice and within each family Community and generation of people. Theory isn't just an intellectual practice. It is woven within kinetics, spiritual presence, and emotion. It is contextual and relational. It is intimate and personal, with individuals themselves holding the responsibilities for finding and generating meaning within their own lives. The following reflection prompts are intended to help you work through your own relationship to the mind-body split and the beliefs you hold around it. I invite you to pause after each question and note down any immediate responses that emerge before diving deeper into this exploration. How and in what context do you experience the mind-body split in your life? How and in what context do you experience mind supremacy in your life? How has subscribing, consciously or unconsciously, to the mind-body split or disembodiment served you in the past? How has it cost you? Which people, institutions, and settings in your life reinforce the mind-body split and disembodiment the most? Which people, institutions, and settings in your life challenge the mind body split and disembodiment the most? Who do you associate with rationality versus irrationality? What characteristics differentiate the two in your eyes? When have you banked on empathy, or in other words, what you imagine someone's lived experience might be based on what you know or interpret of their circumstances? to avoid centering that person's lived experience as they would articulate it? What motivated you to resort to empathy over centering that person's lived experience? How does Leanne Simpson's assertion that theory isn't just an intellectual practice, it is woven within kinetics, spiritual presence, and emotion land for you? Where do you experience resonance or resistance to this, and why? I invite you to pause here and take some time to unpack your responses to these prompts before moving on to the next module.